There are so many amazing free plugins available for download right now to help you with your production and mixing. Go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash plugins to download and get access to a bunch of free and premium plugins on Plugin Boutique. Happy mixing, my friends, and enjoy the show. Yo, what up? It's DK. Thank you so much for listening to the Mixing Music Podcast. I just want to do a quick plug about Antares and Autotune. Antares makes the original industry standard Autotune that we all know and love the sound of. We are sponsored by them, so if you visit mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash autotune, we do get a small kickback from every purchase. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Please enjoy this episode. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hello and welcome back to the Mixing Music Podcast. I'm your host, DK. Uh, Unfortunately, Lou is not with me for this episode. He's working on some other stuff right now, but he will be back live on a later episode. Um, We are live on Twitch right now. Uh, This is like a surprise bonus episode because our guest today, Ben, is all the way in in Israel. Israel, I don't know how to... (laughs) (laughs) Israel is great, yeah. Israel, and then uh, we're... We're doing the whole podcast with a new guest today. Um, We love doing these. We try to release podcast episodes with a guest at least once a month. Around once a month um, is kind of the pace that we'd love to go at. And uh, Ben has another podcast himself called Secret Sonics, which we'll have him talk about a little bit later, um, where I was a guest on his podcast. And I was like, well, dang, let's have you be a guest on ours kind of a deal. So... Um, yeah. We're going to have a lot of fun on this episode. We're both experience, uh, experienced tangent goers. and <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, this is going to be a fun episode. So welcome, Ben, if you want to introduce yourself a little bit to the audience. Sure. Uh, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me, DK. Appreciate it. Um, I loved your episode on my podcast, um, and it's fun to be here with your crew. Um, yeah, I, my name is Ben. I'm a music producer, mixing engineer, podcaster based out of Jerusalem, Israel. I've uh, been at it for a bit over a decade. Uh, yeah, it's been fun. <laughs> slowly, yeah, that, slow, slowly doing the thing, you know? You, you, Anybody listening right now should definitely check out that Secret Sonics podcast episode. I know we did like two hours of talking, and it's a deep dive into, for the first time ever, like specifically about me. And not necessarily <laughs> we talk about mixing and whatnot, uh, but it's it's a it's a very interesting episode. He's got a lot of other guests. I know that you just came out with an, with an awesome guest, and you have many many awesome guests uh, on your show. How long have you been doing your show? Man, I've been doing it 
since July of 2019, I think I officially released the first episode. So you have about, uh, you have a little over 100, and, you have about 150 episodes? Coming up on it. Yeah, 142. I took a couple, like, two-week breaks. You know, I think at episode 100 and 125, I took, you know, a couple weeks off. I started uh, taking some more space for myself. <laughs> and now that I've kind of uh, delegated editing to someone else, uh, it's given me a lot more breathing room. Uh, but yeah, like long story short, it's been, I've been so at it for like a while. So there's like 142 yeah. other episodes, so like definitely worth checking out. You have a lot of time on it, and yours are more long form and with a bunch yeah. of interviews, and it's a lot more. It's a lot of fun. So definitely go check that out. I'll leave a thanks, man. A link to that in the description. Whether you're listening on Apple or Spotify, it's in the description of the episode. You can check that out. All right. So today we wanted to talk about um, communication with clients and why that's important. We've talked about it briefly on the show before in in other episodes, um, and if you've listened, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that this is something that I make a very big deal out of, and is honestly potentially more important than your actually than your actual mix, <laughs> like how you communicate, how you set up <laughs> expectations, how much they learn to trust you. Um, there's mm. so much more that we can get into. Ben, what is it about communication with clients? that feels so important to you or as shown to be important through your experience. Yeah. I mean, we, we talked about it actually on, uh, on your episode, uh, on my podcast and, uh, you kind of talked about instilling confidence in people. Um, and you know, that's something that I've noticed is, you know, kind of the more confident I am in telling them this is great. You know, the more happy people are to kind of move on with the song and take it and, you know, release it and be, and, you know, sign off on it. Um, but communication is, is everything. I, I, I really, I, you know, I'm a people pleaser. I'm the oldest child. So I kind of have that, you know, ingrained in me, I guess. Uh, but I'm always trying to make my clients happy. I'm always trying to communicate what's happening. And, uh, you know, I've learned from, you know, obviously we all make mistakes, especially at the beginning of our journey of, you know, not communicating everything and not saying everything up front right away, not being direct um, and, you know, maybe avoiding money stuff. Like all these things need to be upfront, out of the way, you know, at the very beginning. That way, Everything else is smooth sailing. You know what I mean? You got to, it's, yeah, uh, communication is everything. And, you know, uh, you know, we've all made those big mistakes, but yeah, uh, I, yeah, it's been a slow, you know, slow journey, but eventually you kind of get the hang of it. And I think now I've, I have a pretty good grasp on, you know, at the beginning of, you know, the beginning of the process, how do you explain what you're doing? What's, what are the stages of, in the production? You know, starting with recording, moving to mixing, editing, uh, mastering, like guiding people, they they don't necessarily know everything. Sometimes they do if they're experienced or if they've worked with you before. But sometimes you just have to give it all away at the beginning and just say, "This is how it works," so people know what to expect and there's no surprises. Just laying it all out on the table, kind of thing. Yeah, sometimes uh, it totally depends on like the level of client. For example, like a new artist that has never really done music before, you're gonna have to do a lot of educating on what a mixer may do or how to deliver files, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it's in general, I do believe that like over communication is better than not communicating enough, always. Even if it gets annoying, it's still worth it. And there are many, and, and I feel like for me, systems is a way that I try to eliminate the actual, like, because communicating takes mm. time. And if there's any way that I can communicate stuff without actually having to do an email chain, for example, like with uh, file prepping and how to send me files, I have a PDF. So I just send them this five-page PDF. I should make a video about it, you know, and send them the video if I had one as well. Um, 
and this is systems can help you save a lot of time and make sure that things are communicated. I know that like with my own assistants and my team at the studio, we have like Trello, which has like deadlines. So there's, these are different systems where I communicate everything, but without having, so it shortens the length of the communications and portrays everything. So we're not missing any details. Right. Um, I want to briefly talk about something super easy. And I think most beginners kind of forget is communication about money and like the business side of this. I mean, some people are very, most people in the music industry are very creative, non-aggressive, non-assertive. So um, talking about money is sometimes awkward. It feels weird. How important is it to talk about money up front? Oh, it's, it's so important. And uh, yeah, at the, you know, at the beginning, you're afraid to tell people, uh, oh, this is actually what it costs. Or if they say, is this really the price? Then maybe you balk and you say, oh, no, I, you know, I could give you a little bit of a discount. And you start, you know, betting against yourself. Uh, and it's it's so important to say what you're worth with confidence because uh, then people will, you know, nine times out of ten not give you a hard time about it. And, you know, set the terms and be like, yo, this is 50% down, 50% at the end or I don't know. So people, different people have different whatever ways Whatever your terms are, yeah. Yeah, whatever your terms are. I usually do the 50-50 thing. It seems to work. People get invested once they've spent that first amount of money. And then, you know, once I've delivered a product, they're happy to pay me the end of it. You know what I mean? Uh, that's what, you know, to each their own. But but saying this is how it works. This is when you pay me. This is how much it costs. And, um, and being, you know, very confident with that, you know. And I'm still kind of getting there, but but I've definitely improved over the last few years of just you know, this is what it costs. And if, Have you, know, you ever made a, like a big mistake where you learned at, like learn some big lesson? Oh, that's a good question. Cause I um, have, I have a good one too. If, if you, yeah, if uh, yeah, I definitely have a good, I have a good one. That's, that's yes, I do have a good one. Um, and so, so there was a time where I, I, I tried to experiment with tiered pricing <laughs> for production and I learned really hard that that just does not work. Maybe it's because of how I work, but it was just, it was just horrible. Um, and uh, I think it really set me back like maybe a year, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, but um, I was like, okay, so I have like, you know, kind of like the demo tier. I have like, you know, the basic, you know, the regular tier. And I have like the, you know, I'll do everything for you tier. And I kind of like made out this like pricing list and uh, set up the three tiers. Because, you know, people talk about three tier pricing, which it works for a lot of things, obviously. It works really well on the internet, uh, you know, for courses or, or whatever. But for music production, at least the way I work, uh, where, where I'm kind of like a perfectionist and I really try to work with the artist to get a product that everybody is super happy with. It was just kind of not a good, not a good situation. And I worked with an artist and we made a really cool track and, you know, she just kept wanting to do more stuff, but she had paid for only the demo thing. And then we're out of hours and, you know, we're out of time and, you know, I, I, I want a good product for my, for my portfolio and she wants a good product to release. And the whole thing became like really problematic because I, I, you know, demos are hard, like, uh, doing, you know, and just in general, it's like, it's kind of hard to do a demo unless it's an hourly rate because otherwise pe people always want to do more. And so for production, I, I just kind of learned, you got to just charge whatever it costs and, and just stick with that price and, and be, and say like, no, it takes me this much time to do it. You know, I put a lot of heart and soul, a lot of emotional energy, emotional labor. It's an emotional labor, especially music production. Like, you know, you get into a deep relationship with the artist you're working with and you care about it, maybe not as much as they do, sometimes more than they do, depending on what level of their career they're at. Um, and so, you know, you got to just kind of say, this is, this, this is what it costs because 
it's I know how long it takes me and how much energy I'm going to put into it. So there's really no trimming those edges. And I learned that kind of valuable hard lesson, really hard lesson of of trying to charge, you know, a tiered thing and doing a demo rate for someone who didn't have a lot of money to pay. And it ended up just like kind of totally backfired. I don't think she ever released the song. Mm. Um, yeah. So it's, it's really interesting. Like, I'm a huge fan of experimenting, like telling everybody that's listening right now, like experiment and try things. Like if you want to try running a discount and see if that works, try it. Um, because I can ask you right now with your mistake that you said supposedly like set you back around a year, right? Yeah. <laughs> like approximately speaking, and maybe you don't want to share, but approximately speaking, how much was that mistake worth? Meaning how much would you have paid to learn that mistake a year or two earlier. Mm. You know, like, is it worth money to make that mistake earlier in your career? Yeah, absolutely. And, I, and you know, looking back on it, I would say it's worth it to just do the extra work and make the product right, having already learned the lesson. So rather than being, you know, a hard ass about it, like, okay, this is what you paid before. I can't really do more. Um, if I had just said, you know what? This song is really cool. Let's buckle down and do this the way everybody's going to be happy and just accept whatever fee it was and let's get it, you know, on our my portfolio, your, you know, Spotify account. Like, let's do it. You know, like that would have been a way better way to go about doing it. And um, and so, you know, having now learned the lesson, I'm not going to do that again. But while I was learning that lesson, if I had been more flexible, I could have just eaten that money and 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 dealt with it. You know what I mean? It just, I, I didn't go, I was novice. I was experimenting and, um, and I was too inflexible about my, about learning. You know what I mean? I guess that's the problem of being a perfectionist, right? Like, I don't, I don't know if you're, if you're a perfectionist, like quite like I am, but, um, you know, yeah, you got to do things right. And, um, don't be such a hard ass, be flexible. Yeah. There's definitely been, so I'm, again, try things, always experiment. I mean, even if I say I don't like a microphone or I don't like a compressor, or I don't like a certain tool, like you should try them and figure out why I don't like it or maybe it works out for you even better, right? So, um, for example, one thing that I've learned is we don't, I don't run discounts on my stuff very often. Uh, discounts don't really do what I want for it to work. I don't get more influx of work. I just get cheap people coming back in, you know, like that's, yeah. <laughs> that's just at least the way when I do it. So it's just not worth it. But if you can't expand unless you're experimenting. Um, yeah. so yeah. I definitely recommend trying that out. Um, also there's about money specifically that I want to talk about is one of the things that I, I see a lot of people do that feel awkward about money and talking about money. Um, and I've, I've said this in the past where if you don't talk about price and cost before you do the work, then you, and you do the work, just be like, you're vibing, you're in the session. And then you, after the work is done, you talk to them. Oh, by the way, that work was this amount of money. That's theft. If, if you want to, that's not, you're, you're screwed. You're done. So like what you need to do. And I've literally had death threats over this. Like one of my assistants wow. did this. I like, it's bad. One of my assistants did this to three different, two different clients, uh, my old assistants that I no longer work with. And he did the same thing where he talked about the money after it was done. Like it was bad. It was a mess. And, yeah. and it became into a dangerous situation. You definitely don't want to do that. It's, it's rude. It's theft. I, I don't think that it's worth it. That's why you always want to talk about it before. Yeah, even if it it's sounds extreme like the way you're saying it. It's, it's theft, but it really is, you know? 
the client has to know exactly what they're getting themselves into, you know, yeah. what they're expected to pay. And of course, the client, I mean, if you think about it from the consumer's perspective, of course, they're not really going to talk about it. Uh, maybe they're wondering. And, and of course, like maybe they think that it's free because you haven't brought it up, which if you haven't brought it up, then it's in their right to think it's free. Like, actually, because with oftentimes with music, there are a lot of free things that pro bono things that. Like, honestly, we're just doing it for the sake of because it's fun. Because it is fun, you know? Right. Sometimes so, you're vibing with an artist and you're trying to see if it's a good fit. And you're in the room and, you know, you're you know, rocking out to music. And next thing you know, like, it's like, okay, what's this going to cost? And uh, that's an awkward surprise. Yeah. So at the very least, even if all you say is, hey, we're going to have fun. We're going to vibe. We're going to figure out how much it costs later. But I'm letting you know that it's going to cost something. It's not going to be free. Like even just letting them know up front is still going to be better and not the best if you unless you had like an exact price, whether it's per hour or per project or whatever. But like right. bringing it up that it's going to cost something is going to it's going to save you a lot of hassle, a lot of time for the artist. Here's another thing that I've discovered discovered um, I used to do. I've done before um, is the idea of, oh, my gosh, it's flying away from me. Oh, I might need to edit this out. <laughs> Is, um, happens to, happens to me once an episode at least. Oh, so. that's I remember. I remember. You're forgiven. I'm gonna snap and remember. Um, Leslie taught this all the time during our mix with the master seminar. Um, Leslie Brathaway. Every single piece of communication has to be written down. So there's a couple pieces of advice. A couple pieces of advice that I make when when basically doing some sort of like written contract. First off, Leslie says never ever make deals on the phone or talk about pricing on the phone. Like always do it through text. And even if you do it on the phone, send them a text afterwards saying, as per our agreement, I will be doing this many songs for this pricing exclusive for you. I would also like to add another bonus step on top of this, which is send set an end date. So for example, have you done this, Ben, where it's like, I know oh. you've done this. Everybody's done this. Where it's like, hey man, yeah, I'll do this for half price for you. They're like, okay, dope. And it sounds like they're going to send it to you next week, but they don't send it to you till a year later and expect you to do half price a year later. <laughs> when all of a sudden, maybe you're like, you're really, really busy or like you can't afford to do that anymore. This happens, right? Yeah. Not exactly so like, like that, but yeah, totally. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's like, this does happen. So like for me, whenever I make a deal or whenever I, something is going on where I've communicated it, not only do I let them know via text or email that I have some sort of paper trail of the exact, exact terms, I also end set an end date. I will do this much until August 31st, 2022. And then first off, it's great because then now I'm... I put a fire under their ass. Like I'm, I'm forcing them. There's like a rush thing with the cl mm -hmm. client. And second off, if it's past that time, I go back to them and be like, yo, it's past the due date. Sorry, can't do it for you. I'll probably still do it, you know, honestly speaking. But yeah. um, I mean, that also depends on the, you know, the relationship with the artist. And if it's a good relationship, you know what I mean? That could be something that's like, okay, cool. Like I know you, we, I trust you. This is great. Let's do it. I know, even though I told you this deadline, Let's just keep at it because I, I want to do. Mm. I want to work on the song. I love it. I think it's great, uh, you know. And if sometimes it gives you a chance to see if there's red flags and maybe it's not worth budging on, you know, because uh, those red flags come up and I think they're they're usually pretty obvious uh, so by the time you get there. With you, do you have like a set of like rules and terms or like policies on your website or anything at all? No, I don't have anything. I, I, I the truth is, by the time I'm getting into negotiations let's call it with an artist uh it's usually like i trust them they trust me you know i i i, I 
I, I also I, like like you said, like not giving quotes on, over the phone. I try to bring a, an artist into the studio. I mean, especially for produ- producing, less about mixing. Mixing is more of like, okay, this is my price, and you know, it just includes a mix basically. <laughs> but um, in terms of if, of production, it's like, okay, you're gonna come to the studio. We're gonna see if it's a good fit, and we'll probably only start with one song, you know. And and once you've come to the studio, and I see that it's a good fit, and you, you seem like a trustworthy person. I'll, you know, only then I'll quote you a price if it's something that I think would be, you know, with production, I'm like very hesitant to just take any, any old project. I really want to make sure that it's uh, an artist I want to work with, I feel comfortable with. Um, and so I've, I've kind of like have, I just use my own radar to kind of determine if this is somebody I, I, I want to work with and trust and if they're cool. Um, and by the time I'm in negotiations or just telling them the price, it's like pretty clear that I trust this person and, you know, I'll give them terms of like, you, have, you should pay me half up front or you should pay me this. And I, at this point, I don't really have those issues anymore. I used to, but at, at this point, I feel like I have my, my spidey senses are, are, are honed in enough and I've kind of already wined and dined them before I've quoted them a price, if that makes sense, uh, at least yeah. on the production end of things. With, with something so custom and individual as production, and granted, I'm not trying to say that mixing is not, but I think production is definitely more of like a vibe communication thing. And, and, and for both parties, right? Not just for you, or not just for the artist talking to you whether they want to hire you, but for you as a producer, wondering if you can do the artist justice in the way that they want. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It has to be a good fit on both on both. Uh on both sides of the equation for sure. And, you know, I think we talked about this also of like, you know, referring somebody else, if you don't think you're the person that's right for the job, you know, saying like, you know, this is, this is cool, but it's not really my thing. I think, you know, my buddy John can help you out. You know, he's also in Jerusalem and he's, he's great. Or, or maybe it's somebody else, whatever, whoever it is. Um, And therefore you've kind of like John, my buddy in Jerusalem, John Friedlander, uh, he sent me like nightmare clients of his that have been great clients for me. And I've sent him clients that were not a good fit for me and were great for him. So having that kind of other people, you know, to kind of pass things on to is super, super great. Um, and I totally want to, you know, if I'm if the artist isn't going to be best served by me, then I should probably turn it down or tell them so. Otherwise, you know, what's the point? <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. And I think yeah, it's because it's like so the important. word of mouth, the word of mouth is so valuable where even if you're really good, it's just not a good fit, like working through it, struggling through it and make like not it being the best time and them not having the best experience is not worth the money you would have made for them on that one project for the long term. Yeah, it's kind of totally. like, I may have worded that weird, but you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, totally. But on that, on that note, like letting your artists have a good experience with you, I think is so important. And maybe this is more of a producing thing than a mixing thing, but, um, you know, so I, I forgot who, who was talking about this recently on the podcast, but it, it really like made me realize how, how good of a time you have to let people have. Cause it's such an important experience for the people that are coming in and working with you. And, you know, you know, I could be a bit of, you know, I could be a bit of a drill sergeant when it comes to like vocal takes and, you know, like, no, you got to do that again. Let's get the inflection better. But, uh, so, sometimes you have to remember, like they're having, like the, you know, this is like a special experience for them, and there's something that they're going to remember forever, and like let them really enjoy this, and maybe that's more important even necessarily than being a drill sergeant. Depends on depends on the, you know, on the client and uh, what the song is. But anyways, just on that note, yeah, think of that. And uh, another thing too about communication, especially like the business side, the money side of stuff, 
Um, I do think that you have like, uh, in order, like, again, I can't stress enough with like over communication. So for example, like you may not have policies and you may not have terms or whatever, which is a great position to be in because it's such a white glove service. We could talk about what it means to be a white glove service to begin with. Um, yeah, but there's probably been times where people have found loopholes or like, for example, something that like you didn't want to do. For example, I, I still need mm. to change my PDF of what I send my clients and add, hey, if you want revisions, that's free. But if you want me to replace half the files and remix them, that's not free. Right. Where what people will find these loopholes where like, I just didn't have to do it. Or like it hurt me in the long run, both in money and in time, because I didn't set that expectation before. And how are you to expect the consumer to know that I didn't offer that or I charged extra for that? Right. So I'm wondering, for in your case, yeah. has there ever been experiences where like a client forces you, finds a loophole, forces you to do something because there wasn't set expectation or because something wasn't communicated? And and how do you overcome that in the future? How do How do you resolve those in the future? Man, that's a good question. I, I can't really remember um, uh, anything specific at this point because I think a lot of those hurdles I've been through and a lot of the people that hire me to mix are producers that I consistently work with. Um, and so we have a working relationship. And if something has gone beyond the scope, they're usually aware of it and thanking me or you know, maybe like, hey, can I just throw in a little bit extra because I know this is a lot. And then it's like, like you send me a lot of business, so like don't worry about it. It's on me. You know what I mean? That that like that's a lot of the stuff that There's usually respect, goes over, which is nice. Yeah, 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 totally. And that I'm lucky in that in that regard. Um, and you know maybe it's because I'm not doing I don't do a ton of mixes for you know strangers. Like I do a lot of you know I mix a lot of my productions and I mix for consistent like a lot of like people that I consistently work with. And I'm trying to get more work <laughs> mixing for strangers, uh, so to speak, over the internet. But I'm not 100 percent there yet. So I I don't have a ton of um, experience working with people that I really don't know anything about. And so. Uh, I, I, I've been able to kind of set the terms, you know, orally basically. And, um, and, uh, you know, when things are go above whatever that I think is a normal expectation, it's usually like, yeah, this is like a bit beyond what is usually implied. Um, and so maybe we need to talk about something else. Like I, I don't give people a hard line on revisions. My revisions are free. I want the client happy. And I like doing revisions because I think revisions lead to a better product. I, I truly believe it. Like, you know, sometimes, you know, you could say that the artist is sometimes wrong on the on a mixed revision, but you know, sometimes we get two or three revisions later, and then all of a sudden the song has opened up in a whole new way. Um, so I, I truly believe in revisions because the artist knows the song better than you as like a mixer. And um and uh, they know what they want. And when they're happy, that's what the song is supposed to be. So I, I don't really make limits on, on revisions. I don't know if I've ever, ever gotten past like, I don't know, 10 or something. But, uh, but, re but I, I'm happy to do it because revisions don't usually take me very long. And I'm making the client happy. Um, I guess things, things that are a bit above the scope I'm thinking about are, are like I had a, a client who's a friend of mine and like, you know, who asked me to print stems for an album that I had mixed like six months prior and we didn't, we never talked about printing stems and maybe I should have done it at the time and I didn't. Um, and the truth is I haven't even gotten to that yet. Like 
it kind of fell off the radar, but I'm sure it'll it'll come up again. And at a certain point, it was like, listen, I gave you a, you know, I gave you a cheaper rate on the mixes because we did the the whole album and we did all this stuff. And you know, at this point, it's so it's it's it would be a lot more work for me to do. So, you know, I'll just like give you a discounted hourly rate and we'll get the stems out. You know, if he asks me for that, I'll do it. Until he asks me, I'm not going to do it. But cool. but yeah, it was like oh, okay. Now doing all the stems, like you know, six months later, that's that's kind of beyond. And he was like, yeah, if I have to pay a little extra, I totally understand. Um, but, you know, that is something that should definitely be set up in terms. And, you know, hopefully as more strangers hire me to mix, I will definitely need to talk to you about <laughs> setting up more terms. <laughs> and I, I think that partially goes into like the type of clientele that you build. I mean, I'm a huge believer of like raising children and like that you like, you know, not raising children that you don't like. Um, and I feel like to a certain degree, you create the clientele that you want. For example, we no longer, at one point we used to allow smoking in the studio. As soon as we stopped allowing smoking in the studio, granted in the short term, there was a bit of a drop off with business, but all of our problem and hassle that usually surrounds people that specifically want to smoke in the studio, um, went away, went away, you know, and we're trying to, I have an avatar, right? Or, or like a perfect clientele right. that I want. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it sounds like you've been able to do a good job where you communicate that and you don't accept things that you've, you've been able to slowly like build your own clientele to be those that are respectful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would totally say that's true. And yeah, having that avatar is totally exactly what I have thought about at some point. I don't think about it these days as much. Maybe I should do it again. But there was a time where I was like, okay, this is the kind of client I want to be working with. And you kind of try to, when you have a client that matches those, that ticks off those boxes, you you just make sure that this is, I don't know, you give it 110% and you try to like cater even more to that kind of a client. Um, not that you should ever give anybody less than 100%, but, you know, even more so, you know, and just doing whatever it takes to kind of keep those kinds of clients around, so to speak. Absolutely. And, and it's getting to the point where like, I'm very grateful that I'm in a position where I can do this. Um, but going back to what you were saying, where like, for the sake of the client, I say no to about half of the people that ask me to work with them. Typically wow. based around, typically based around the vibe that they give me on their email, the initial reach out, whether it's like some like stingy rapper dude that just like is looking to just get as much out of it as for as little as possible. And or like if they're going to be ultra picky and very insecure the entire time, because I'm not going to be able to do my best service for them. I'm not going to, which is, again, instilling them with confidence, as we've talked about with, on your podcast episode. I'm not going to yeah. be able to do that. And I'm not able to I'm not fully convinced that, you know, so it's like it's a combination of everything here. But um, it does get a little bit weird to, to wrap up our business communication. I want to talk about what it means to be a white glove service. I've talked about this on previous episodes, um, but it is a very important distinction. For example, Ben, you are not uh, produceyoursong.com and random people come up to you. You know what I'm saying? And, and yeah. your selling point yeah. is your price. That, that's, not, that's not what we are. We're, we're what we call a white glove service in the industry. Uh, white glove services ensure high-value, fragile, or one-of-a-kind services handled carefully and delivered safely to their destination. So it's like, it's, um, it's very, very one-per-one. One. For example, Rolls-Royce is a very white-glove service. 
they you design everything in that car you, the interior the color the fabric the options and the different things that is your unique thing and you're the only one that can do it right um, yeah. That's a very white glove experience. We're buying a Honda off the lot, although you may have some customization options, not really white glove. It's still very general enough that anybody, they can just build it, right? Um, right. We're a very white glove service um, in the sense that it's a very, each client that I work with is a very one per one situation. How I mix this song is not how I'm going to mix the next song. It's not how I'm going to communicate with the next person. It's not how I'm going to deliver the files to the next person potentially. It's And there has to be a lot of communication, which is why communication is so damn important with our industry um, because everybody should be. It's case by case. And our value like, is not our pricing. There's always going to be someone on Fiverr on SoundBetter that's cheaper, <laughs> right? Of course. It's, it's because of that communication, which is why, I, again, part of the reason why I talk about how communication, how you communicate with clients and how they feel is significantly more important than the, the deliverable, the mix, <laughs> because if they really just wanted the mix, they would have gone to someone that was much cheaper. It's not. And and it's because I believe in them, right? It's because I want them to win. It's because they're getting a new team member that wants to see them win. That These are all different right. reasons. Um, yeah. In your case, you're a producer, right? You're also a producer, which is even more white glove, right? Tastes are super duper important. How are you able to communicate um your different creative expressions to the client? Hmm. Um, that's a good question. I mean, the, I guess the beginning of any, you know, production, you know, meeting is, is, Hey, let's, let's listen to what the music you love. Let's, uh, let's do a little bit of a listening session. Let's go on Spotify or YouTube and, and find songs that you love and see, you know, if this is something that I vibe with, is this something that I can help you with? Is this like a, a direction that I can do? Kind of like we were talking earlier. Is this the right fit for me? You know? Um, and if it is something that I think I can do, then that's great. And then we move on. And then, uh, you know, I, I'm very flexible. You know, like I worked with, um, I worked with this artist who's a, who's a teenager and um, she was showing me, you know, some, you know, like Olivia Rodrigo and, and all kinds of like, you know, new stuff and, the first day out of the studio was like one production. We did like three hours and I had a demo uh, of like, of a, of a vibe. And it was, and, and, you know, she came back to me and she said, you know, like, I actually don't really like this. I need it to be a little bit harder. I need it to sound a bit more punk rock. Um, and, and it was just like, okay, cool. Like, let's just switch directions because even though I thought it was cool, that's not what you want. It's your song. And so for me, I just had to be flexible and switch it around. And we went a completely different direction, you know, with more guitars and, you know, you know, more rock drums and less like four on the floor kind of thing uh, that I had started off with. And it was just like, this is your song. And, um, but this is still something that I can do. So it's just like, okay, you're, you're the boss. This is your music. So I kind of just am able to, if it's something that I can pull off, I'm kind of happy to kind of go in the direction of the artist and, you know, listen to what they do. And if I think it's something is important, I'll obviously speak up. You know, at the beginning of, of the production, it's like a bit more drastic, right? It's like, okay, this is the this is the vibe. Is it going to be this vibe or is it not going to be? There was another artist I worked with recently where it took me like four tri tries to get the production right. Um, and and I'm, I'm happy that it took that many times. Like it, we did, you know... She sent me the song. I couldn't quite figure it out. I kind of did a shot in the dark. She wasn't happy with it. I did a different thing. Still wasn't happy with it. Third time, I thought it was cool. Didn't, didn't like it. And then the fourth time, I was like, oh, this is it. 
you know? And it was like, okay, because she had had this, this was like a, a little bit of a bizarre project because she had kind of recorded these demos and I kind of had to take her acapella vocal and just reproduce around it, almost like a remix. Um, and it was kind of like, oh, she had these, one of the synth parts was an important melody. And so I just recreated it and made it sound a bit more organic and with like, you know, a glockenspiel and, and like, like uh, you know, clean electric guitars and stuff. And it was like, oh, all of a sudden the song came to life and she was super happy. And so, and I'm really happy with how it came out. And so it was just about being open to hearing what the artist had to say and committing to that. You know, I feel like when I'm producing and it's a white glove service, kind of like you're saying, this is not like dime a dozen, you know, I'm very much making the record you want me to make. And so if you're not happy, we're going to go back and do it again and start over. And it was hard. It was hard to start over that many times. That I don't think I've ever started over that many times. But, it, you know, in the end, the product was great because of that. And um, she felt comfortable telling me that. And I was, I was happy to abide because, again, it's her song. And, you know, this is, you know, this is how I work. And so... You know, I'm probably still not charging enough money for that, but, um, but it's not like cheap. You know what I mean? Like you do have to, you you, you know, you have it's customized work. So it's like you know, it's like it's if you're hiring like someone to do your logo on Fiverr for five dollars, you're gonna get something that's very generic. And if you hire somebody who learns about what your company is about, your brand, and really takes the time to do it, then they'll do a lot more research and kind of get that that logo that really speaks to the story of what you're about. And so the same thing with the song and it's, and it's about finding what the, what the artist is really, how the artist is trying to express their art. Um, and, um, so like in both of those stories, I was, I'm, I'm so happy that they, they pushed me to change things because, and I'm happy I was open to hearing it. Um, and so that's kind of been a lesson for me of, of just, I've, I've learned that, you know, and this has already been a while that I've learned this, but, like, you know, if you're a hard ass and you're not really open to the collaboration of the artists you're working with, you're not really going to get a product that everybody's happy with. And I've I've had projects fall through because the artist wasn't happy and they weren't comfortable either communicating it with it with me uh, or I wasn't happy to kind of do the extra work twice and things just kind of don't go anywhere. And I'm, you know, I got to a point where it's like, I'd rather get the product right than you know, stand up to my principles or, or whatever. And that kind of flexibility is something that I, I is, I guess, a, a big lesson that I learned. And it's something that I carry with me through all of my projects. And that's kind of, I think why people hire me is because they know Ben is good at communicating, good at talking about every stage of the process and, uh, you know, is flexible and is listening and is there, you know what I mean? So that's, that's, that's really my whole, that's how I built my whole, career i think over the last like let's say five years yeah <laughs> it's 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 got to be super custom and and this is one of those things where there's a fine line where you want to charge enough where no matter what they ask for even if it's something ridiculous that it was still worth your time right but you want to charge little enough that more people are, depending on like the demand of the market, right? The supply and demand of the market, where you still meet the supply needs or the demand needs. Sorry, you meet the demand needs of your marketplace. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's another thing too where no matter what, and I think you did a very good job in this example. I think it's super important because we all know word of mouth is usually the best thing for business um, and is the best advertising. <laughs> Right. If we, um, the best thing to do 
is no matter what, whether it feels like it's worth your time or you're upset about it, there's never an appropriate time to not give 110%. Even if you agree to do a free work, free work, and it ends up being way more work than you were willing to do for free, there was no point of doing that free work if you weren't willing to do it 110% all the way through. Um, yeah. yeah, and, and I, that what, happened to me also not that long ago, like six months ago. I did something pro bono, and I thought I did a great mix, and they weren't happy, and I had to change it. And the truth is, I didn't like the final mix nearly as much, but they were happy. And that's the same mindset of giving it that 110% because that's what the client wants. And so that's the type of service I offer. And so that's what they're going to get, you know? Like that 110%, like you said, is, is so important. And like, just like with mixing also, I, I don't know if you do this, uh, or I don't remember if you, maybe if you told me, but like with mixing, like I try to get like a vibe before I... I don't go hard on my final mix, right? I think you told me that you also are are kind of send out like a of a, a feeler of like this is the direction. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, so I kind of get a mix to like eighty percent. You know, I'll put in an hour or two and get it to like where I think this is a good direction for the mix before I do all the intense automation and and kind of uh, you know burn all my bridges in terms of like where the mix is headed. Uh, and try to get that feedback from artists. And um, before I go go hard, because I just want to make sure this is the right direction, and don't don't go too far down the path, you know. Yeah, I think that's actually a really really great idea. I've done that before, and I that's why I like having clients in the room with me so they can participate or like on the Zoom call or whatever. I love it when clients are sitting in the room with me while I mix. I know it's super boring. I'm aware that like for watching <laughs> it, may, it may be kind of boring, but like. At least having them, because it does two things. It makes them feel like they're part of the process, which is a big, I would, do I dare say power move, like allowing them to feel some sort of power over the song, which makes them feel more connected to it. But, uh, and, uh, but as well as like for the actual feedback, because same thing, like I should be in a position where I also love revisions and I also want to help deliver what the client wants. Um, I don't typically do that though. I don't do like the feeler mix. I usually give them 100% from there and then tweak from there if they have any revisions. Although that's, I've done it before in the past. It works well. And if you're listening right now, that's something, again, worth experimenting, seeing if that's worth it for you. I, I think part of the reason why I don't is because it doesn't save me that much time. It's just, I'm just super fast anyway. <laughs> um, so I've Goals. just never had a need for it yet. Uh, but that being said, I, I think that it's super duper, again, like, again, with all this communication talk, um, dare I say, I was talking to, I think it was an intern or something like that. And we were talking about communication literally just a few days ago. And I was, I, I said, he asked the question of like, how do you get like more satisfied clients or whatever? Something along those lines. And I like estimated, I was like top off the top of my head. I was like 10 to 30% is the actual mix. And the rest is communication. Like how much they trust you, how much you're able to build that trust. Like, and for example, saying things like one small minuscule micro things, for example, is I always offer unlimited revisions, but here's how I present it. Right. I don't say, hey, I want what's best for you. The classic approach, right? Hey, I want this best for you. Um, and we're gonna. it doesn't matter how many takes it's going to try. We're going to get it there. And that's appropriate. I think that's a classic appropriate approach. The approach that I find that clients appreciate more is the cocky approach. Hey, I do unlimited revisions mostly because I know you're not going to need more than a couple. Yeah, it, I like that. Which the reason why that works 
is because yeah. if if you're if you need a barber, right? You cut your hair. If if, if the hair's about me, right? The song is about the artist. When I'm about to get my hair cut and, and my hair is for me, I'd rather have a barber that's cocky to a certain degree. Like not ignorant, which you can tell, but like, yo, I'm going to get you. You're going to be looking so nice. Like we're going to get it so good. Oh, like I'm going to make you the most handsome you've ever been. I promise that. Yeah. It's going to be way better than too many questions. Like, oh, what do you want out of this? Oh, like how your hair, like specifically what shape do you want? And this and this and this, which can be good. But I mean... The point was, if the dude, and the difference between cocky and arrogant is if an arrogant person will be like, I'm the best, this is me, this is my time, where a right. cocky, confident person will say, I'm going to make you look the best, you're handsome, you're going to make, you're going to walk out feeling confident ever. So that's, right, right. there's you also a about, subtle You keep nuance. it about the artist, but you give them, you convey that confidence of like, don't worry, I got this, I'm going to get it right. Yeah. Um, so like, have you noticed with your clients and whatnot, where like, there's been times where you being cocky or being extra confident has been necessary for the client. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I, I mean, yeah, definitely. Just especially when like saying that it's done, like this is great. Or like when we get the master back, I'm like, no, I love it. Let's like, you're done. You're good. You don't have to question every single, like the, the, for sure. <laughs> yeah. How when often you, when do you these, how often, sorry, sorry, continue your sentence. I apologize. No, no, that's it. That's, that's basically it. I was going to say, how often do your production sessions turn into like therapy (laughs) (laughs) where you're the therapist now? Oh man. Uh, definitely, definitely sometimes. Yeah, (laughs) definitely. It depends. It depends on, uh, who I'm working with. Um, yeah, it definitely a lot. (laughs) You're good enough. This is art. Don't worry. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's a fine, it's a very fine balance. The whole therapy thing. Cause you kind of you need to let them feel it and you also got to let give instill confidence and it depend, you have to like read the situation in the room and sometimes you can go one way or the other way and man I'm a psych major from from college uh but I don't use any of that stuff it's it's just it's just uh interpersonal skills and and just yeah vibing and seeing what needs to be said and yeah how, how about yourself oh yeah often and uh, I would say that that's part of the selling point of my service, right? Is, I mean, you pay for the you pay for, you yeah. pay for the mix, but you get free therapy, so it's worth it. Yeah, <laughs> therapy is expensive, also, you know. <laughs> uh, but for real though, like again, I said this on your episode, which again, you should anybody listening right now should check out Secret Sonics, right? Episode um, one forty one with DK Waddell. There you go. There you go. Is we talked about. I really believe, and and I think this is a healthy mindset to have as a mixer, is is I'm really here to instill confidence in my clients. Like, and a mix is one way to do that. But I think oftentimes it's more than that. It's the communication that we've been talking about this entire episode. I want to set the right expectations. I want to communicate and make sure that they're setting the right expectations. I want to deliver what they're expecting and make... and even over-deliver what they're expecting, go above and beyond. And I want to make sure that they can trust me because to a certain degree as a mixer, I'm being confident about something. That, they're paying me to be confident about something that they can't be. They're not, if they were confident enough to mix themselves, which we've talked about on, on the episode that we did on your show, I think is like, you don't have to have something mixed. Like you can just release it, but there's a lack of confidence somewhere in that, you know, yeah. in, 
in that process or, or like they don't want to do it or they feel inadequate. They may not be, but they feel inadequate and they're paying me to overcome their, their felt inadequacies. Yeah. Like, yeah. And that's it's how so I good. perceive my job to be. Yeah. It's so good. It's such a great point for, for, for your listeners. And when you said that on my podcast, I thought that was, I mean, that's why I made the, made it one of the highlights, uh, is it's just so important. And, uh, you know, Sam Moses also talked about this on, on my podcast. He's a mastering engineer out of Nashville and he says he gets paid to, you know, instill that confidence and say, the record is done. That's what the mastering engineer says. Okay. It's over. Like you did this. And that's, you know, that's why, you know, beyond the added, you know, sonics that they add to the, sh the song, you know, they're giving you that seal of approval that this can be released to Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your music. Um, and so that that's, it's, it's totally huge. And I do, I do want to like, you know, back up a tiny bit when I said like, I get the mix 80% and send it to them. I'm not just saying like, oh, haphazardly, like, uh, what do you guys think? I don't know. Like, this is, is this cool? Like, it's like, no, this is a vibe I think is cool. What do you think? You know, like I, I do say it like, you know, like I'm happy with this vibe, but please tell me what you think. It's, it's, it's more of a, and again, like each, each of us, I, we should continue doing what we're doing because clearly it's working for both of us, uh, is, is, or maybe it's working for you better than me, <laughs> but, but I, you know, I'm saying that like, Hey, like I like this. What do you think? And I'm still trying to instill the confidence of this is, this is a cool direction, but I'm inviting them into that process to kind of join me and communicate back. And that's kind of maybe what my my little side of uh, this this industry is, is, is that kind of communication thing of inviting them back in the room to communicate with me. And uh, but I love what you said about bringing people into the in, on Zoom, at least for the mixing session. I feel like that's a throwback and I haven't heard about that in a long time. And um, it used to be fun for me to kind of get mixes started with with artists in the room. And I haven't done that in forever. So. Uh, you're making me nostalgic. Yeah, there's a a free a free um, software that you can download because it's still in beta mode called Muse. I think it's like Muse Sessions. It's free, and I've been using that recently to to send over sessions, and so they can participate in me. I kind of do the eighty percent thing actually as much as I can. I prefer to do that, but the way that I do that is I mix most of the song at first, and then I send them like the Zoom or the Muse invite link. And then we finish the song together so they don't have to participate in the 80% of the boring work, right? That's Where smart. It's not as entertaining for yeah. them. Um, I like so yeah, that. No, that's, that's definitely a totally valid thing I think is amazing. All right. I think now is the perfect time to bring up a sponsor for the show. Um, All right. And I know, I know, because nobody doesn't use their stuff, which is one of the best compliments you can ever give to a sponsor of the show. Thank you. A big shout out to our sponsor, Isotope, um, for all of their mm. plugins. And uh, isotope.com backslash MM podcast. If you go there, you can get 10% off of any of their products, or they only usually offer a seven day trial period. But if you go to isotope.com backslash MM podcast, you can extend it from seven days to a full 30 days. So it's a longer trial period, or you get 10% off if you want to buy outright. They have monthly everything plans or subscription bundle plans, as well as, you know, just buying the plugins outright. Um, ben. Yo, DK. Do you use Isotope's <laughs> plugins? Oh, of course. I use RX pretty much every single day. So, do I need yeah. to say anything else for this sponsor? I mean, I don't think there's been a single guest that's like, no, I have never used any Isotope plugins. It's just, <laughs> I think it's just one of those plugin sets where like, um, you either pick and choose or get everything, but they're kind of like baseline 
must have. There's a bunch of tools that nobody else is even making, especially with the RX stuff. Very good, like noise reduction, cleanup tools, ozone mastering type tools that I think are very great. Um, low end focus is something that like nobody else has that I've really been able to tell or like master rebalance. There's like a couple tools there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Neutron and Nectar, uh, the vocoder, what is it? Vocal synth. They just have a lot of the trash. different. Pro- yeah. Oh, there you go. Trash is amazing for distortion saturation. And they have that um, vinyl plugin. I don't use it often, but sometimes you want you need that, you know? Yeah, and they have a bunch of free stuff too. So go check out their website. Uh, once again, isotope.com backslash MM podcast for their stuff. Um, we love Isotope. Thank you so much for sponsoring the show. All right. Now, on that note, um, Ben, we're kind of coming to the close of this episode here. Tell us more about where people can find you, your podcast, your stuff, how people can ask you questions uh, through social media or your website. Just give us the full, full detail plugs. Um, yeah, I feel like I should, shouldn't give all the plugs. Otherwise, people will get lost and confused. But uh, if you go to my website, benwallach.com, you can literally find everything. Uh, best place to connect with me is on Instagram. And you can find me at Ben Wallach Music or at Secret Sonics, the podcast. Um, and um, you can find Secret Sonics anywhere you get your podcasts. And uh, I mean, Secret Sonics, I guess, is the best place to teach pe- people to go. That way, you know, you can kind of learn, learn about me during, you know, uh, the long game of just listening to a lot of episodes. Um, and uh, it's just a, it's a, it's another great resource, just like the Mixing Music Podcast, of uh, learning from, you know, our peers who do what we do. And uh, I learned something from everybody who's ever been on my show. And um, I'm the target audience. So if <laughs> uh, I ask questions that I think are interesting and uh, and have banter and, you know, very, like, just good schmoozes. It's not. It's a very conversational podcast, uh, but uh, I think it's... Uh, go check it out. Secret Sonics. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, on that note, is there anything else that you want to leave us about communication? Any final words? Yeah. I think um, this is a really great episode. I think we covered so much. I, I don't know what else to say other than just be a good communicator and be good to your clients. And uh, if you're honest, you know... Uh, straightforward and you communicate all the time, you won't have any issues or you should have very few issues. (laughs) Be honest. That's super important. Be honest. All right, y'all. On that note, uh, if you're interested in learning more about other things that we offer, um, you can just go to mixingmusicpodcast.com. There is actually new something new that I want to announce this episode. Um, We are now doing subscriber-only episodes. So we have our regular content once a week but now on Wednesday and Thursday mornings we're going to start releasing small 5 to 15 minute portions where I have a friend of mine Brayden who's going to be on the show later uh, on a different episode where he's hosting it we're going to take clips from mix with the masters or different YouTube channels and get the audio from it and he's going to break down what these other professionals are doing and it's going to be very very technical because i know everybody wants more technical details and technical advice it's going to be technical stuff we're going to be releasing that that's going to be available on mixingmusicpodcast.com it's less than a cup of coffee it's less than five dollars a month um and when you subscribe it'll open up everything all those episodes on spotify or apple wherever you listen to so we are going to have subscriber only content check that out once again at mixingmusicpodcast.com where you can also find our other sponsors and affiliate links and whatnot if anytime you spend money through the website um, we get a kickback portion so we appreciate any and all support all right so on that note happy mixing my friends thank you so much ben for joining us one last time and stay saucy 
Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.